0: Good morning, Anchor Church. Pastor Ryan here, coming to you from my dining room table. Now, I know what you're wondering. Why am I at my dining room table and not with you in person in church? Well, maybe you heard this story. Last weekend, Lauren and I went down to visit our daughter, Ellie, at college in Tennessee. We brought our middle child, Cassie. And then after we got back, Ellie said, one of my friends has COVID. She tested positive for COVID. Well, we were around that friend during the weekend. Cassie was in the same car with that friend. So we realized that we all needed to quarantine right away and get tested to see if we had it. Ellie started developing symptoms. So she tested positive. Thankfully, her symptoms are just mild. Um, But Cassie, Lauren, and I all got tested. Our test came back negative. But still, the CDC recommends that you quarantine for a few weeks just because uh it could be growing inside of you, you know, and um and then suddenly it could go go from being dormant to actually we could be symptomatic, so we're taking every precaution, we're being careful, and that's why I'm here at my dining room table, preaching the word this morning um so I'm excited about it. uh Lauren took the puppy out, so hopefully there won't be any noise. I had a long talk with Spencer, our older dog, and said what I'm doing is very important, so I told him he's not allowed to make any noise. Um, My neighbor came out a little while ago with his leaf blower. So uh, hopefully we won't be distracted. But as you know, (laughs) this is unpredictable. But I'm really excited to open God's word with you this morning. You can open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. And the series is called, uh, let me put the title. I'm a one-man tech team here. So the title is Glory in the Church a study in the book of Ephesians. That's the series that we're in right now. And we're going to Ephesians 6, verse 5. This section talks about rules uh, for the Christian household. So a few weeks ago, we talked about husbands and wives. And then we talked about kids and parents last week. So these are guidelines for Christian households. And today, the sermon title is, wait for it, Slaves and Masters. Now, I know what you're thinking. On the way to church, you probably said, boy, I sure hope the sermon today is on slaves and masters. It's been a while since I've had that topic come up. Well, it comes up in the Bible, and even though the um, direct application is no longer applicable to us, there are a lot of indirect principles about authority that we can pick up from this passage. So it's going to be very helpful for us to understand the heart of God and how the world works today and how it worked back then. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll get into the word together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this chance for us to be together and to open your word. We're grateful that uh, through the wonders of technology, we could be together, Lord, uh, even though I'm not there in person. And Lord, you can speak. You can speak to us through your word. And Lord, this is an ancient passage that was written to a lot of people uh, who lived in a very different place. Uh, society than we do. So show us how your word can give us guidance and can lead and direct and challenge and even confront us uh, still today. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Okay. In Ephesians 6 verses 5 to 9, here's what it says. Slaves obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a slave or free. Masters, do the same to them. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. So it talks to slaves first, then it talks to masters, and it gives principles uh, that are directed toward a Christian household. So these are guidelines for the Christian household. We read through the book of Acts and we find out that if a master became saved, he often brought his whole household with him to church and they got baptized and they became a Christian family. So if you visited the church in Ephesus that this letter was written to, you would have seen parents and children coming to church and you also would have seen people with servants. And that was the way the ancient world was laid out. So the Bible talks to this reality and gives guidelines Uh, For this setup now that immediately makes us wonder what on earth is slavery doing in the Bible? I mean, why doesn't the Bible just say end it be done with it and move on? Well, you can write this down. That's the first question. The first question is what does the Bible say about slavery? It's a question that we have to answer because if we don't answer it clearly and biblically then we are going to get confused So what does the Bible say about slavery? Well, where did slavery come from? In the New Testament, the Roman Empire built slavery into its society and that gave people the opportunity to either voluntarily or involuntarily find themselves in a relationship with a master in a household. Some people could uh, contract themselves out. Uh, that would include teachers, doctors, accountants, farmers. You could, you could become voluntarily in a position as a servant uh, or it could be involuntary for a variety of reasons. Why were people in a slave relationship in the ancient world? Well, most often it was debt. There was something that was owed that couldn't be repaid. Um sometimes it was poverty. They just couldn't sustain themselves and so they had to rely on somebody else for uh housing, for shelter and for work. And then sometimes it was conquest. And in the ancient world it was viewed as benevolent to actually take captives, take prisoners and to give them work and to give them food and a home rather than to just wipe out the entire population. That's where slavery came from. So some served in homes, most served in homes, some in religious positions, some in the government. But if you were a slave in the ancient world, more often than not, you were considered among the lowest class of society. So what does the Bible say in the Old Testament about slavery? We find a lot about the Bible's view of slavery in the Old Testament, and you can jot this down. Uh, The Bible imposed strict laws on acquiring, managing, and releasing slaves in the Old Testament. Acquiring them, managing them, and releasing them. When it came to acquiring slaves, it was important to know how a person got a slave and in the New Testament and in the Old, the, uh, the process of capturing someone or abducting someone and then bringing them in as a slave was condemned, was clearly condemned. That would be what's called a criminal form of slavery in the Bible. So there's a verse in Exodus 21:16 that says this, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. So the penalty of uh, abducting a person and making them a slave was death. This would mean that the American form of slavery that we learned so much about growing up in the history books was absolutely not biblical. It was a criminal form of slavery. In the New Testament, 1 Timothy 1.10 said that enslavers, those who would go and get slaves, uh, were doing something that was lawless and ungodly. So condemned in the old and in the new, this form of acquiring slaves uh, is not something that the Bible allowed for. Now when it comes to managing slaves... Uh, Exodus 21, 26 to 27 um, is one place where there was a, a provision for slaves who were treated harshly. It said, when a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he should let the slave go free because of his tooth. The idea here is the Bible had expectations on how slaves were managed, and several places in the Bible talk about avoiding harsh management structures and treating slaves fairly unjustly and not violently. Um, and then when it comes to releasing slaves, in the Old Testament, there was uh, often a process for releasing slaves. Uh, a year where they, would, where they would set slaves free. And in the New Testament, it said, if you can get your freedom, get your freedom, Paul said. So slavery was never the ideal situation. And releasing a slave often happened or was encouraged. In Deuteronomy 21, it talks about how if a woman was taken captive and then she was mistreated or the original agreement was not kept, she's to be released. So clearly, in the Old Testament, the Bible imposed strict laws on acquiring, managing, and releasing slaves. And what we observe here is the Bible strongly regulated civil forms of slavery and the Bible strongly condemned criminal forms of slavery. It's important to realize in the New and the Old Testament also that slavery was not a racial construct. These setups were often brought about through financial arrangements or nationally because of wars uh, or poverty. Um, So it was a very different form of slavery throughout the Bible. We see here clearly, though, that Christians should never use the Bible to justify criminal forms of slavery. It can't be done. So for many in the ancient world, though, this was their reality. This was where they ended up in life. Some were slaves and some were masters. And the Bible speaks plainly to that situation and gives instructions to these Christian households. So what does the Bible say about slavery? Well, we just covered that. Um, Let's go on to the second question. The second question is one that's going to help us pull the meaning from this text. How should we relate to those in authority over us? Let's face it, there's nobody who is in a slave or master relationship right now in our church or in our country um, that is that is known of. Uh, that still happens, but uh, it's not formally something that we are dealing with. And therefore, when we come to passages in the Bible where there's no direct application, we have to pull principles that transcend the original um, situation. And we can very easily do that because the principles of authority Uh, that are found in this passage can very easily be transferred to, for example, a work relationship with a boss who has authority over us, where there is compensation and wages being exchanged. And whenever the Bible talks about authority, those principles could also be applied um, indirectly to the home or the government or how we relate to any other authority figure. So we're going to talk about how we are relating to those in authority over us. And I would just say going into this section, Ask yourself, how are you doing relating to the authority figures in your life? Let's do a little self-check here. So it says in verse 5, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. So the idea is that the same deference and love and submission that's given to Christ would be given to the one in authority um, over the slave and over us. That's consistent in all these authoritative relational structures brought up in this section in Ephesians And in this one as well, the idea of fear and trembling, that sounds scary, right? Like, am I supposed to just like shake in fear? Well, what that means is that there is supposed to be Definitely a humble, submissive recognition of the person in authority over us, which means we're submitting to them because they have authority. And we understand that if we rise up or violate that authority or challenge them, that there could be grave consequences. Certainly in the ancient world, it could have been very uh, painful and even life threatening if the slaves suddenly figured that because they're Christians, they no longer had to keep their obligations. And so Paul is giving them the exact opposite. He's saying, Nope. There is still that relationship, and you have to obey your earthly masters with all the reverence and submission, so you don't provoke their wrath. And he says with a severe heart, or with a sincere heart. So when it comes to uh, those in authority over us, we have to we have to realize that they have authority, and we are to respect it. Uh, I don't know about you, but early in life as a child, I I learned the fun of challenging authority. And my mom always likes to tell me the story of when my aunt, her sister, took me shoe shopping. And there we were in the shoe store, and I wasn't really into clothes shopping. Still, really, I'm not. And there we were, and I thought it would be more fun to just knock a box of shoes off the shelf then to shop for them. And so my aunt said to little Ryan, no, no, little Ryan. And then I thought, wow, this is fun. So I looked up at her and I knocked another box of shoes off the shelf. And she said, you do it again and we're leaving. And what do you think little Ryan did? Little Ryan walked to the end of the row and knocked all the shoe boxes off the shelf. I fought the law, but guess what? The law won because my aunt took me out of the shoe store. I didn't get new shoes and she let me have it. That's how we are, right? Nobody really loves authority. Nobody really loves when someone else is telling us what to do. Uh, But we have to learn to relate to those in authority over us. And you can jot this down. Um, Obey them within the will of God. Obey them within the will of God. It says here, "...with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart." Now that's important to realize, because we are never called to allow a person in authority over us to replace Christ as our Lord. We are never uh, they are never to become God. They are simply a relationship where we can show them we have a Lord, we have a God, and we are following Him. So whenever we obey, we always do it within the will of the Lord. We are never called to obey a parent or a government official or a teacher or anyone in a way that would transgress our faith in the Lord. So we obey them within the will of God. And what this means is that whether we have a boss who has to run a business or a parent who's running a household or a governor who's running a state within the will of the Lord, Our responsibility as Christians is to obey the rules, to obey the policies. Do we have righteous channels of appeal or do we have avenues through which we can get those policies changed? Yeah, absolutely. But generally speaking, when it comes to authority, we should as Christians be humble and we should obey the authorities in our lives. How are you doing with that? How are you doing within the will of God of obeying those who are in authority over you? I've been a pastor for a long time, you know, over 10 years now in this church. I've met a lot of people and heard a lot of your stories about your bosses. And let me just say, I have so much sympathy for people who don't get along with their bosses. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like, man, you're just telling me that I've got to respect this person and submit to them. And if you only knew what they said and how they lived their life and how they ran the business— Hey, listen, I get it. I get it. I've had a lot of bosses in the past, too, before I was a minister. And I understand what it's like when your boss doesn't share your faith or even your code of common decency. Um, Maybe, are are you a Bob Seger fan? Are are any Bob Seger fans in the house? Well, in 1978, Bob Seger wrote a song that talks about what it feels like to just be at a job where nobody cares about him and his boss doesn't care about him. and He just feels like he, he doesn't even want to be there. And he says this. He wrote a song called, Feel Just Like a Number. He feels just like a number. He says this I take my card and stand in line. To make a buck, I work overtime. Dear sir, letters keep coming in the mail. I work my back till it's racked with pain. The boss can't even recall my name. I show up late and I'm docked. It never fails. I feel just like another spoke in a great big wheel. I just feel like a tiny blade of grass in a great big field. I feel like a number. I feel like a stranger in this land. Hey, is that you? He goes on to say, to workers, I'm just another drone, to mob bell, just another phone, just another statistic on a sheet. To teachers, I'm just another child. To the IRS, I'm just another file. I feel just like a number, just like a number. Hey, that has to be how the slaves felt, who originally heard this message. They just feel like another number, another slave in the vast Roman Empire with no worth and no purpose, And the Bible affirms that God's will for them is that they would be submissive to the authorities in their lives. And let me just say, God's challenging you that his will for you is to learn to be submissive to those authority figures in your life. Obey them within the will of God. And then it goes on to say this. You can write this down. Respect them with a sincere heart. Respect them with a sincere heart. What that means is that our actions have to be in line with the policies and the rules, right? Uh, But our attitude, what's going on on the inside is just as important in this text. I know this is hard, but we can't just say, well, I did it. I did what I was supposed to do. I didn't steal anything or I followed the rules or I turned in the form. You know, we actually have to do it from a sincere heart of respect. Now that makes it even more challenging because what goes on inside of us when there's an authority figure who we maybe don't respect is there's just all this commotion in our hearts, right? And we sometimes can't even take it anymore when we leave, the, when we leave work. But we're called as Christians to avoid inwardly uh, despising and disgracing those who have authority over us. Um, Too often this is what happens we comply when we are at work or around the boss but then we have a critical tongue when we get home or we have a contentious spirit when we're around other people and that shows that we have a problem with authority Um, we are sitting down on the outside and standing up on the inside and the Bible says that that can't be that can't be. And this often starts with parents, right? Do you look back into your past and say, well, I just could never get on board with my parents' way of running the home. And then you go to school and you're like, yeah, those teachers, they thought they knew everything, but, you know, I knew more than them. And then you start getting your first, second, third job. And then suddenly, after you've been through a lot in life and you've lost a lot of jobs, you might look back and say, I guess there's just a lot of morons in this world. Well, yeah, or maybe you have a problem with authority. You know, maybe there's just one episode after another where you've just never learned what it means uh, by the Spirit of God to have a submissive spirit toward an imperfect authority figure. And God wants to help you with that. He wants to help all of us with that. God expects sincere, heart filled respect. Even though they are imperfect, even though the authority figures in our lives are sinful or or whatever they do, however they lead, you know, is just not the way we would do it. Um, But when it comes to that, God truly expects that we would guard our words, that we would guard our hearts against having a spirit that rises up. When I look at our political situation right now, I think to myself, wow, I lament how childish and mean-spirited and deceptive elections have become. Those who have the highest authority in the land, often we feel there's little to respect about our options there. Am I right? Uh, Maybe you, like me, watched the debate earlier this week and, and you were just also really just saddened and shocked by the fact that these people are contending to be the authority figures in the land. In case you didn't watch it. Uh, I have a picture here, this will show you a picture from the debate. That somebody grab that snapshot and put it online uh, <laughs> That's a joke that's meant to just poke fun at the reality that they were kind of acting like children. I like what somebody else put up after the debate. They put this on uh, Facebook. If you were a loved one, watch the 2020 presidential debate. You may be entitled to compensation. Call now. As if it's like a, a wreck that happened or some sort of an injury attorney needs to get involved. I'm just having fun with how a lot of people are feeling right now. But let's face it. We're always going to be able to say, why should I respect that person? How on earth would I submit myself to that person? And let's just remember that this was written to slaves who had masters in the Roman Empire, where some of these emperors who were in charge of these vast empires said they were gods. And they had the power to put anybody to death that they wanted to. Boy, if they were challenged to show respect and submission within the will of the Lord to their authority figures, how much more does God want us to be very careful with our words and our tweets and our texts and our posts? Am I right? Hey, listen, Christians, we have to show the world a better way of responding to authority than nonstop outrage. And that better way starts with a submissive heart. So here's the uh, next sub point here. Um, You can write this down. So, how should we relate to those in authority over us? We are to obey them within the will of God, respect them with a sincere heart, and then write this down honor them whether they're present or absent. So, it says, not by way of eye service in verse 6, by way of eye service. I like that phrase, like doing it to be seen, like serving the eyes. When I'm watched, I'm doing well. When I'm not, I'm not. Not with eye service as people pleasers. Hey, do you ultimately treat the authority figures in your life with respect do you work so hard and do your best so that they see it or so that god sees it and let me ask you this is god's attention enough to sustain your integrity is god's applause enough to sustain your integrity and your humility if you expect humans to fulfill that need, then you're always going to have a way out. You're always going to say, "Well, I'll do it as long as I get this," or I, or "or," and hey, we have to be able to honor those in authority over us, even when we don't get the promotion, even when we don't get the applause, even when they don't see everything we do, even when we are passed over for advancement. Hey, this is a challenge. This is a challenge. But it says here we are to serve Christ. We are servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart when those are in authority over us. That's the challenge. So number one, what does the Bible say about slavery? We covered that. Number two, how should we relate to those in authority over us? Obey them within the will of the Lord. Respect them with a sincere heart. Honor them whether they're present or absent. And then number three, you can write this down. Why should we honor those in authority? Why should we do it? So he said, how was the second point. Number three was why. So you, you might want to say that out loud with me right now. Why? Go ahead. What? Why, why should I honor the authority figures in my life? Well, there's a good reason. It goes on to say this. Rendering service, verse 7, with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing, verse 8, that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord whether he is slave or free. Listen to this principle. Whatever you do, meaning your response to the authority figures in your life, you will receive back from the Lord. So there is a promise here tied into how we respond to the authority figures in our lives. And you can write this down. Um, Because why, why should we honor those in authority over us? Because God will reward our obedience. Because God will reward our obedience. There is a promised reward and it's directly tied to how we respond to the authority figures in our lives. And if we are humble and if we are obedient and if we're respectful, God's going to reward that. Hey, listen, we are going to be judged on our faithfulness to fallen earthly authority figures. Wow, are you ready for that? We, it's going to come up. And that includes parents, that includes bosses, that includes politicians. And when you know God will reward how you respond, you can then persevere in humble, righteous service, even if the relationship is bad. And the Bible is clear that some people don't have good bosses. Some people don't have fair masters. In, in And so there's verses that cover that as well. Um, when it comes to... Uh, The New Testament in 1 Peter 2, it says this, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Hey, do you know what this means? This means that if you're in an unfair situation, if if you're not getting the recognition or the respect you deserve, God knows it. God knows it. And it's a commendable thing to bear up under that. And when it comes to suffering, the Bible says elsewhere, don't suffer for doing wrong. It's, it's a different thing to be called into your boss's office because you were caught stealing stuff, right? Or, uh, versus you were called into the boss's office because you were doing the right thing and it got you in trouble. So the Bible says that God will reward our obedience, That's crystal clear in the Old Testament as you think about some of the heroes of the faith who were either born into or led into a period of slavery. Joseph was enslaved in Egypt. Daniel was a slave. Nehemiah was a slave to the king. Esther was was raised up as a slave in an exile. All of these people needed to be rewarded by God because they weren't going to be rewarded, certainly, on earth. So when you understand that God will reward your obedience then you can honor those in authority over you. Well, why else? You can write this down. Um, It's because all people will be judged equally. Go ahead and write that down. Because all people will be judged equally. It says in the Bible that we are rendering service um, with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a slave or free, It says whether he's a slave or free. Then it goes on to challenge masters to do the right thing. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter who we are. The Bible uh, equalizes this in the text. It says it doesn't matter which group you're in. It says that you are going to receive back from the Lord regardless. That means that we are all going to be judged equally. We are all going to be judged equally before the Lord. So whether you were sitting in the, in the New Testament congregation as slave or free, you looked ahead to the future and what did you see? Judgment was coming. And for the slave, oh wow, the promise of a reward from the King of Heaven, that's motivation enough to get my jobs done on earth. And if you were a master, the evaluation that came for how you treated people, wow, wow, we are going to be rewarded for our obedience and we are going to be punished for our disobedience. This is the reap sow principle. And listen, I don't know where you're at with this, but understand that if you are going to work every day, clocking in, doing your best, God's going to reward you for serving him in your workplace. And there's a special word here to the masters. It says, masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he is both their master and yours is in heaven. So this is a good cautionary word for anybody who has employees. Maybe you are the business owner, maybe you are the manager, maybe you are the shift supervisor and your responsibility is to watch over those people under your care. Hey, listen, the Bible is calling you out. Guess what? God's got cameras everywhere. There is a live feed in heaven right now. Every word, every review, everything is going to come under the scrutiny of heaven. Now I can imagine you know, when this verse started in the first century and they started talking to slaves, the masters just kind of nod, like, yeah, that makes sense. Now suddenly the masters are being challenged and they're starting to get, I mean, talk about fear and trembling. The masters are talked to about how they're going to face judgment in heaven. And it says, and there is no partiality with God. Wow. That's the last reason why, why we should honor those in authority over us. You can go ahead and write this down. Because God holds authority over all authority. God holds authority over all authority. Because he's supreme, because he's at the top, because he rules over all rulers, he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, that's the reason why we need to honor and respect the authority figures in our lives. And let me just say that regardless of how you feel about your parents or your teachers or uh, or your mayor or your governor or whatever, look, there is a line of appeal that keeps going up. Can I talk to your supervisor? Can I talk to your supervisor? Can I talk to your supervisor? And even if you get to the most powerful person in the whole world, he's got a supervisor too. And the supervisor is God Almighty. Please hold while God is called on the line. That's the confidence that we have, that we always have the appeal to God. We should honor those in authority over us because God will reward our obedience, because all people will be judged equally, and because God holds authority over all authority. Hey, Christians, I know this is a hard message, especially if you feel like you're not really crazy about your job or your boss. But listen, we need to invite God to cultivate a spirit of submission and humility deep within our soul. And that's true if your boss is a non-believer. And that's true if your boss is a believer. Sometimes it's easier to resent or challenge or, or, or just dismiss or disregard the authority because, well, they're a Christian too, right? As was the case in Ephesus with slaves and masters. Listen, you have to invite, regardless of the authority figures in your life, say, Lord, cultivate a spirit of submission to biblical authority in my soul are there instances of unbiblical authority in places where people need help where where there are occurrences where there needs to be intervention absolutely but that's not what today's sermon is about today god is challenging us to cultivate a heartfelt spirit of humble submission to biblical authority structures in our lives are you there do you need heaven's help to get there Let's make it our prayer this week that God would help us to surrender in spirit to those who have authority over us, to show that respect and that humility and that submission. Why? Why? Because we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we all struggle with being humble and respectful, especially when there are authority figures in our lives who are imperfect, Lord. And we just ask that you would show us what it means to have a sincere heart to honor and respect those who have authority over us just as we would Christ not just with eye service when they're watching but truly with a good will and help us lord to know that our our payback our 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 reward is coming from you. Whatever else we receive on earth doesn't matter because you're the one who has the ultimate reward. And I pray that whether we have authority over others or whether we are in authority, I pray that you would help us, O Lord, to know that we will stand before you very soon, before the Lord Jesus Christ, and help us all to have that submission to him, Jesus, that we would submit our hearts to you and give our lives to you, and that somehow at work we would Show other people what we believe about you by how we treat them. And I pray that as those people see that there's just a respect and a humility and a filter and a restraint, one that they don't deserve, that they haven't merited, may they then trace that line to see our great love for you being expressed in the workplace or the home or toward our officials. And we pray, O Lord, that you would continue to challenge us in this painful and hard area. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.